genre. Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Fellowship of the Ring, one stab wound at a time. Ah, no. No. <laughs> I'm Norman Mitchell. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And joining us again today is Chris O'Connor from Geek by Night and the soon-to-be-released Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute. Hi, guys. Happy Tears Day. <laughs> Yay, fighting. More <laughs> fighting. All the fighting. So today we're going to talk about Minute 187, which starts with Merry and Pippin realizing their error and seeing all the orcs coming down the hill, <laughs> and ends with Pippin stabbing an orc. Yes. So this is all action scenes, basically, other than yep. a little bit of dialogue between Merry and Pippin and Frodo. Mm -hmm. At the beginning, Merry tells Frodo to go, run, run, yep. yeah. run. and then gets the attention of the Urukai. I then, I love. Pippin's face when Mary starts shouting. It's the <laughs> epitome of like question hey, mark second. exclamation point. Like, like yeah, what? I have never before really questioned your judgment, but right now I'm questioning your judgment. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so since there's never a, 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 a sort of a shot at a distance, like establishing how far away they are from one another, how far Mary and Pippin are from Frodo. Like the way that, like, since it was close up on each other and they're whispering, I always got the impression that basically they're like 10 feet away. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, Pippin pops out, Mary follows him, and then they realize, oh, we've made a terrible mistake. How do we recoup this? Over here! From the way, like, this was shot, it feels like they're saying over here and they're like five feet away from Frodo. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's a terrible idea. What are you doing? <laughs> And then they just run in the opposite direction. Yeah, it's like, you know, and then they run, but first they're saying, over here, and I'm like, but isn't Frodo right there? Right? Also, when the camera turns around to show Urukai approaching from the opposite direction, shouldn't they have seen Frodo running away? Yeah. <laughs> also, they're not where did those Urukai come from? They're not uh, I, super perceptive at all. Probably, like, the, the party was big enough that they were able to sort of split and go down either side of the hill, I guess. You know, there's there's the ones that are still up near the top that are getting their butts kicked by Aragorn and Gimli and Legolas. And then, like, they have the ones that that, that followed um, followed Frodo down. Yeah. Ooh. This is like a, this is and, like and a Gettysburg, a whole swing around. around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're sweeping around. They're, they're trying to cover their flanks. Uh, Lurks is using his brilliant tactical mind honed over the past couple of months. Yes, <laughs> of being alive. You know, he has a. You he didn't has listen the, yesterday. Uh, we've established that the Urukai are monstrous baby toddler murder machines. You know, he has a. He has the genetics of a great general. I can't. Like you know, I I've never thought about that before. Like I know we've talked about it before, but like previous to recording this podcast. I have never realized that the Urukai are like weeks old. Yep. And that is 
simultaneously bad. like hilarious and horrifying. Right, yeah. the fellowships just killing babies. Because like when you think about the goblins that they fight, the goblins and orcs that they fight in like Moria and uh, and elsewhere in the movie, like presumably those goblins and orcs have lived full and enriched like goblin and orc lives. Like right. they grew up and they got to play games and they went to orc school and they got to you know have their first orc dance and an orc kiss and like maybe they have like a little orc family back in their little orc home. But these ones. <laughs> These guys have been like popped out and sent, you know, like kicked out of the orphanage and given a sword and shield and said, go fight in my child army. And it's just it's terrible. It's just, it's the worst. God. Well, you know, Saruman is evil. Jerk. He is evil. But at the same time, I do not pity these things. It's horrible, twisted mockeries of nature. Oh my gosh. Holy crap. Yeah. I'm never going to get over that. Holy and then we have a uh, Frodo like scurrying down away from them on the hill. And that is the last he shall be seen in my minutes. Mm. It's the last he'll be seen for like 10 minutes or so. <laughs> Good riddance. I mean, that's terrible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, we're going we to wrap first. up most of this <laughs> fight and then we're going to visit Frodo and then we're going to come back to the aftermath of the fight. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man! But, and then but, we're gonna see Frodo again. Yeah, further back up the hill, we get to see our three, um, you know, primary badasses really going to town. Like they're they're fighting inside, they're fighting in and around the ruins again, making great use of the environment to sort of limit the uh, the strength of the Urukai's numbers. And again, as we've established, the Urukai don't have the experience or training necessary to realize that they're being played for suckers. And uh, we've got Legolas like just cutting through him with his daggers and Gimli chopping him down with his axe and leg and Aragorn just stabbing and smacking their heads against bricks and just punching stabbing a guy the directly in the gut. Oh, he's doing great work. I love it. I love the, the transition from weapon to weapon and using the environment, like, you know, bashing their heads against the columns. That's great. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. And it's, it's a lot of those like gut stabs and some of the other more gruesome things across the next yeah. couple of minutes. Well, that's that's that going to be where the this armor a rating problem. This fight scene, yeah. and they had to trim some of it back. Mm. So uh, some of yeah. that more gruesome stuff isn't in the theatrical, but they put it back in for the extended. Yeah, and like you know, the gut so, stabs like, make sense. That's where the armor is going to be lighter. You have to have like sort of mobility in the midsection. So that the the plates have to be smaller and they can be it's like more segmented and again their armor is crap it's mass produced garbage um, <laughs> in, it's sort of proto industrial age iron wrought crap um, that is easily stabbed through so the guts make sense uh, you know they don't stab into the chest because it's a big broad non moving space that you can put a solid piece of steel in front of or mm -hmm. in the Urukai's case like some leather and and like pig iron. <laughs> I do like the, uh, I like that quick shot of Gimli, like, saving Legolas from, or not Legolas, saving Aragorn from a sword across the back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, he does good work. I, I, I really, like, you get to see, like, all three, three of them fighting, and you get to see their three distinct styles. Yeah. And, I mean, like, out of all of them, obviously, the elf gets the prettiest and flowiest and, and, you know, most artistic of the fighting styles. I, I really love, like, uh, what, what they did with the knives there. Um, you know, it was we've already established from the uh, arrow stab to the face yesterday that like the 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 archery, like the sort of arrow and bow um, choreography is really innovative in this scene. But like the knife stuff is great, too. It's 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 kind of it's uh it's not as uh, as in depth as as he gets to be later uh, in like the two towers <laughs> and, Return of the King and, and in the Hobbit. 
he gets right. to do some absurd things there. Um, like I'm, I'm really curious, like what Bob Anderson, like the fight choreographers, like um, like what his experience was with knives and short swords to to like affect the choreography here. Like uh, you know, I think I think Anderson like as a, as like sort of a, a Western fencer. Uh, with strong, strong background with like European fencing styles. Yeah, he was uh, he was an Olympic fencer. Yeah, for England in the fifties, and then he was like he ran the English program, then moved to Canada and ran their program, and I think he ran their program simultaneously, um, from wow. like the fifties to the sixties, um, and then in the seventies, really, re- I mean, he was he was doing movies all from the fifties on, but he really got into it and got away from like uh, the Olympic stuff in the seventies. Um, but like, I'm curious, like what his experience with knives and short swords would have been. Cause like, there's some, there, there, there's plenty of like sort of, uh, historical precedent for fighting in, in Europe for fighting with daggers and short swords. And there are various styles like uh, from Renaissance Italy that, that cover using two daggers, but mm-hmm. sort of, uh, the, the movement for historical European martial arts or, uh, uh, Renaissance martial arts hadn't really gained much steam at the time, and I don't know how much there was available. And I'm like, I'm kind of considering they're in New Zealand. I'm inclined to think like that most of Legolas's knife work is based off of like uh, Southeast Asian, like Filipino stick and knife work, like from uh, Kali or Screma. Um, mm. That's kind of what I think. I have. I'm no not idea. sure. I'd, yeah, <laughs> it'd be, uh, be interesting to dive into a little further. You know, is there, there must be a biography about Bob Anderson. I think that would be really fascinating to read and like learn what his like background is and like how he established some of the more like non-European stuff into his like repertoire. Right. You know what I mean? I'm not sure about like a Bob Anderson, um, like biography or documentary specifically, but I know he was uh, pretty prominently featured in, there was a documentary called uh, Reclaiming the Sword, which was narrated by John Rhys Davies, um, like in, in the early aughts, like a few years after Return of the King, mm-hmm. um, that was largely about, uh, sort of, well, reclaiming the blade. Uh, yeah, reclaiming the blade, not reclaiming the sword. Um, and it was uh, the sort of rising um, uh cultural phenomenon of again historical european martial arts something that you know uh the west largely forgot when we came up with guns um but right. the the historical documents still exist from ancient, you know fencing masters from the renaissance and earlier that you know who would record this is how you fight with an axe and this is how you fight with a dagger and this is how you fight with two daggers and this is how you fight with a a chain and a and a and a you know a sack full of muskrats and um <laughs> And uh, like the sort of the effort among historians and martial artists in the last couple decades to go into those primary source documents, those ancient treatises written by the old masters to try and figure out what it is exactly they do. Because there are tons of these books like in old archives that for hundreds of years people just didn't have any use for. It's like, oh, well, my army is made up entirely of people shooting guns, so I don't care how you fight with, you know, a, a rapier and 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 a claw hammer or something. Um, but now that we are sort of in a, in a place uh, culturally where we have tons of free time, <laughs> some people have devoted themselves to uh, reinventing and, and revitalizing those, those old fighting styles. And I think um, 
you know, uh, I've talked so much about this this documentary, but I unfortunately have not seen it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really have been meaning to see it. Uh, it was like on Amazon Prime for a while, but I missed my shot there. I think I have to, I have to pay to watch it. But I will because it, like, um, apart from the the martial arts sort of aspect of of this this movement, it also talks about um, the fight choreography and like the use in uh, Lord of the Rings and uh, I don't know if Braveheart was in, but but like a lot of other big movies. And so like John Reese Davies again, he narrates it, and they interview Bob Anderson and uh, Orlando Bloom is in it, and Viggo Mortensen is in it, and then a lot of uh, uh, other actors from other films and uh, a lot of his historians and martial artists and people who are sort of recreating um, the use of the weapons we see in Lord of the Rings, like the Aragorn's bastard sword and uh, Gimli's battle axe, although yeah. not many people want to do that. And then uh, Legolas's knives, which a lot of people want to do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if you want to check out Reclaiming the Blade, that that, that one has long been on my list, and I kind of feel yeah, silly bringing awesome. it up so much without having actually sweet. watched it. That kind of makes me think of uh, that guy who... He's like the the fastest archer in the world. Oh yeah! And the answer to how uh, like master archers used to practice has been yeah. staring us in the face on tapestries for hundreds of years. Yeah, yeah, there is that. I, I was kind of thinking we could talk about that tomorrow when we get to Eric, uh, Legolas's six shot shot, where he, you know, he he does a little <laughs> speed shooting there. I have I have I have some notes on that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Well, something to look forward to then. I I don't know because like when we last talked about um. I mean, like, the last big fight scene was Moria. And you do see Legolas with his knives, but it's very brief. Yeah. So I like that in this one, there's a little bit more time to breathe because we're not being pursued by a cave troll and a mm -hmm. balrog and, like, hordes of, of goblins. Right. It's just a hundred urukai, whatever. That's fine. <laughs> it's just a hundred urukai. <laughs> yeah, mm, we can take you know, it. It's fine. It's just them. Uh, but I like that there's we do get a little more time to really focus in on their different styles like yeah. we were talking about. Right. And, you know, Aragorn is a little nitty gritty. Legolas is very flowy and Gimli is just swinging a heavy Pack hunk of slash. steel around. Yeah. <laughs> but, but even then, even like Gimli, again, he gets like, he gets the short end of the stick. Uh -huh, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> anyway, he gets the short end of the ax, but even then they all get to use like every aspect of their weapon. They're all doing like four strokes and backstrokes and mm -hmm. doing punches and doing grapples and hitting with the pommel, the bottom of the uh, the weapon, like they're in the handle or they're using the guard to sort of hammer into people's faces. You know, they, they're the, the choreography in this is really um, sort of indicative, like fight choreography really like uh, changed over time. Like if you look at uh, the for the choreography that Bob Anderson did for Return of the Jedi and The Princess Bride in the 80s, those were very, I mean, they were great fights. They were really wonderful to watch. They're still great to watch, but it's it's very much like about fencing and about the weapon and like a lot of strokes just at the weapon. And um, like you sort of get a sense that if the other person wasn't, you know, if the other person didn't have their weapon, you'd be swinging but you would be swinging at something that wasn't there. You're not swinging to hit them. They're they're sort of like a an old like thing of of stage combat, stage choreographies, things that you have to do in real life space with real life people in front of a real life audience right. that just sort of got held over. Um, like you see it a lot in like the really old movies, like the Errol Flynn stuff, which Bob Anderson worked with Errol Flynn, stabbed him in the leg, um, and uh, and Zorro movies and that sort of thing, where it was all all the choreography was based on established sort of practices of stage stage fighting, theatrical mm -hmm. combat. 
and that can look good in, that looks good in person but when you do it in movies like you can kind of start to see um like you can really see it uh over time where you know you're not there people aren't fighting to they're they're fighting to fight they're fighting at they're hitting each other's weapons than trying to hit each other um right. and like choreography really changed uh over the decades like from the 70s like with uh the the three musketeers movies with michael york and and charlton heston which are great movies like the choreography there as opposed to the three musketeers movies that came out um or the three musketeer movie that came out um after lord of the rings like they're very very different. The the movie from the seventies is still a better movie, but the fight <laughs> choreography has a very different feel to it. Where, um, you know, directors and choreographers and audiences all realize that when you're filming a movie and you know you're able to get in close and you're able to do these things, you're able to have effects. Um, the same sort of moves that made sense on stage, uh, look bad and they're not as convincing and less dramatic. And like in Lord of the Rings, in this fight here and in all the fights in, in, the, in these movies, they're able to get in close, do things that, that really look like they're trying to hurt each other. Um, mm -hmm. In some instances, apparently, they did really hurt each other. But they're yeah. able to, to really open it up and do a lot more than just waving their swords around. And it's, it makes for really dynamic and, and beautiful fight scenes. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think you can... You can kind of um see that in the there's a specific moment where aragorn's fighting and he stabs um to like the right of him like behind him and it just looks like if you did that on stage it wouldn't be super convincing but here i think with just the the set and the the um the ruins that he's working and with because you can play with angles right yeah it just looks awful like i don't want to be right the the dead orc on the other side of that yeah he sword. stabs that guy directly in the stomach yeah <laughs> and then he collapses mm -hmm. we get a close-up on his face after he gets stabbed <laughs> <laughs> I, and i feel see. bad for that he's like i never gets... got to see i never oh, got to no. see the white city <laughs> i never got to kiss an orc <laughs> I always feel bad for the one whose head just goes directly into the tree, too. I think it's a piece of the ruins. Yeah, it, the ruins. He, he stabs oh, him in the, the gut, and then he reaches around and grabs his hair and pulls him into the column. It looks like a column. tree to me, but whatever. The one whose face meets an immovable object yes. is yeah. very unfortunate. And again, we, we get to see that the Urukai are just, they're so reliant on their numbers and their mm -hmm. intimidation and their strength, and they, not a one of them can fight. They're terrible. They're just, they're just well, a pack of losers. Only one of them can fight. Only one of them can fight. But even then, he lasts about a minute. I mean, you'll get to that later. <laughs> it's kind of cheating. It's bringing a bow to a sword fight, but I mean, we'll get yeah, to that you know, later. I mean, the Fellowship is doing that too. Yeah, that's true. As we'll see tomorrow in great detail. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, as as they as they get down. As we we swing back down the mountain, and uh, to the to the horde of of storming, charging Urukai, finally catching up with Merry and Pippin. Oh man, this this oh this shot's so great. We get the hero shot. Yes, with Boromir. Yeah, slow motion. Like we have uh, the one Urukai who's well armed. He has a good axe. I like his axe. But then Boromir, like out of nowhere, with the trumpets and the glory, I, I, <laughs> he grabs I, I, that Urukai's axe. 
and kicks him in the balls. Yeah, I okay, that part okay, let's just that that is not necessarily the best bit of choreography, but the hero shot of him charging in is so great. I love it. And I just it's a very Peter Jackson thing though, because it's like hero shot. Yeah. It's this great triumphant and moment. He undercuts joke. it with the low blow. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, Perfectly. well, also, also, like this gets back to you know the orakai being very poorly armed and armored. When you knee somebody in armor in the crotch, their crotch should be armored. <laughs> that is one of the most commonly armored parts on an armored man. Yeah, I mean, granted, they're they're sort of asexual pod people, so maybe he just <laughs> need him in the middle. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, that Urukai goes down like there was something there. Well, oh, yeah. Also, goodness. like I think there, I, I think you'd already mentioned that like the editing was sort of like they shot a lot more of this fight than they actually used. Like not mm. just in the theatrical, but I think even in the um, in this yeah. version, the extended, there there was a lot of stuff that they left out. Um, like they shot a lot of extra choreography that wasn't used. And like it always kind of bugged me that like you can see like Air, Boromir charges in, catches the axe, and then does like a knee to the crotch. But then, like, the next, like, edit, the next cutaway is he's, like, bringing... It almost looks like he's using the axe and bringing it down on the guy's back. And, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense that the guy spins around that fast and then Boromir uses his own axe again. I don't know. It's just kind of an <laughs> ugly cut, and it makes me it makes me feel like something else was there that got removed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's definitely possible. There's probably a little bit more of a struggle filmed uh because yeah peter jackson says in the commentary that there's like many more minutes of footage that they just didn't put back in because you can't just have a fight scene drag forever even in an extended cut of a movie yeah as much as i want it right (laughs) because this extended cut was still put together with the the purpose of being viewable and digestible as a film not just let's just stuff everything back in as best we can not the masturbatory right not the 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 ten and a half hour cut that he cut down to the theatrical or whatever. Right. Oh man. <laughs> Where's that? Just give me that version of the movie. Um, I will watch it. Or just the fight. Watch the fight scenes. Like if they could put together like a mega fight, that'd be great. I'd love that. I bet that's a lot of the extra footage is just all the different angles and shots from fight scenes. Yeah, that makes sense. Picking the best. Yeah. And picking the best because I I bet you there's an hour of footage for this. Oh, easily. <laughs> like. At least just with different an hour of like finished sound is all good. Yeah, lighting that's what I mean. Right, everything is fine and like it's legit footage. But then they have to edit it down to like oh, we need like five minutes of this. <laughs> I mean, raw footage. Yeah. There's probably dozens of hours of this. Oh yeah. yeah, like from all kinds of different camera angles. Because it was, but, it was like, just shot over multiple days, over two two units, like working simultaneously. Right. There's mm-hmm. oh so much, so much. But footage. just like, but yeah, just the finish cleaned up. This was the best shots we got. From all the hours we did, there's probably at least a couple hours of just that. Yeah. And then it, whittling it down to 10 minutes. And I, lo- I love that, like, this hero shot of, of, of Boromir, like, charging in, like, fearlessly is, like, the last shot of Boromir was, like, laying on the ground, like, crying, like, like ugly crying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, with leaves in he his hair. Can't even stand up, trips over upset. himself. And it's like, he know, you know, he recognizes that, that uh, the, the, cr- the poop has, the, the orc poop has hit the fan and it's time to, <laughs> to step up. And I, I really, I, I love that he, uh, he gets back in there and, and saves his little buddies. Mm-hmm. Right? The ones he's been caring for the whole time he's been a part of the fellowship. Oh, it makes me feel so good. 
and they even <laughs> they even do like what what he told them to do like we'll see in 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 uh in just a second mm-hmm. like the the like the little bit of training that they got to do uh will come in handy at the beginning of the next minute yeah <sighs> so i would just like to point out that we are on like minute like point 5 let's say of like the end of Boromir. Yep. So I'm gonna keep like I wanna keep track of like how many minutes right? from like from, start to from finish. this hero shot yeah. to till the, the very the to very the end. I would have called you king or nope, whatever. Nope, I don't I don't wanna think about that line yet. Right. I cried. <laughs> like, how I many cried minutes pass? Reiterating that I had not read the books to that point. Like I saw like the cartoons as a kid, but mm-hmm. I I wasn't really up on, on Boromir's end and well, I'm I'm getting ahead of the show, so. Sorry. Yeah, we get ahead of ourselves this, all the time. <laughs> I think we've uh, I think we've covered I, I, this minute. I this cried, is, like a like as a twenty year old baby. Because <laughs> this minute ends with with Merry and Pippin starting to swing their swords. Yep, Pippin. Pippin stabs an orc. Uppercutting. Uh, so, thank you for joining us again today, Chris. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, also on DuelingGenre.com, you can find the Doctor's Companion. Geek by Night, which Chris stars in. I do. Yeah. Um, and there is a new uh, talk show ramping up uh, called Calling BS with Brandon and Scott. Scott Tofty, not Scott Corelli. Um, there's two Scots. Uh, <laughs> and no that's just like a, like a really laid back, just kind of, they're going to talk about whatever they want to talk about. Um, and as of this recording, the first couple promos are up on the site. I believe that it's going to be live by the time that this episode's up. So go ahead and yeah. check that out. Yeah. yeah. And Scott Tofty, if you like Scott on there, he's going to be on um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Minute 2. With me! Yeah, yes. and two other guest hosts. That's yep, going to yep. be fun. I love that you guys have four people talking about the The, the, the turtles. four turtles. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. seems appropriate. Do you all have a different favorite turtle? Uh, No. we we discuss it several times with every one of our uh you know weekly guest hosts we uh, discuss what their favorite turtle is but um we've we've discovered that generally people's favorite sort of shifts over time and throughout Mm -hmm. their lives most you know most people start out with like mikey and then you know sort of (laughs) progress to Raphael as as sulky teenagers and then donatello and like me um now being a a new father like i find that leonardo the responsible uh wet blanket of the group is is indeed my spirit turtle um, <laughs> but you know everybody is different there you go that's awesome as always a special thanks to our patreon associate producers leaper 182 and ed foster hope everyone has a great tuesday and we'll see you all again tomorrow bye bye bye